Hello everyone and welcome to the Wachingen Alternative Protein Podcast. I am Josh, a master food, a student in food technology at Wachingen University and I will be your host for today. Our guest is Oscar from the Food Microbiology Department who has worked previously on uh, cheese flavor formation from vegan products. Hello Oscar, would you like to tell us a bit more about yourself? Yes, uh, so I work in the laboratory of food microbiology here in Wach University. And uh, there many start uh, study all kind of uh, ferment uh, fermentations to make uh, fermented products. And uh, one project also focuses on actually making uh, cheese flavors, vegan cheese flavors without uh, the cheese. So why is this milk special in terms of producing uh, the flavors that we expect in these so many different varieties of cheese that we have around Europe, especially? Yeah, so... Uh, Flavor, cheese flavors actually uh, are quite uh, complex. They uh, contain uh, yeah, hundreds of different compounds are responsible in, uh, for cheese flavors. And uh, we need all kinds of different uh, substrates to make all of these. Uh, so does flavors. milk have any special, let's say, base of substrates that the microorganisms can use to produce the flavors? Yeah, so, so milk, of course, contains uh, a lot of protein which is uh, really important for uh, the flavors produced. It also contains uh, yeah, yeah, lactose, the sugar, to, uh, very important also to uh, st yeah, stimulate uh, the growth of microorganisms, which is of course needed if you want to also to make flavors uh, using microorganisms. And so how do the microorganisms actually impact the formation of all these things in the, pro in the production steps of cheese? Starting from milk. Yeah, so starting from milk, so you have these uh, big molecules. The, so the sugar, the, the sugar, the proteins, actually also fats. And the first step what they actually do is they have to break this down into small pieces. And these pieces are afterwards uh, yeah, then used by the microorganisms to really in many different ways to uh, get a huge range of uh, compounds. That, uh, yeah, that... Uh, which vary from, uh, let's say, fruity flavors, maybe uh, very nutty flavors. Uh, uh, yeah, really, you can think of almost any flavor that you associate with cheese. Actually, that's coming from those. Okay, and so you are telling us that milk has protein, it has lactose, it has uh, a lot of things, but don't plants also have proteins, for example? Why are the ones from milk the ones that are able to give us these uh, compounds? Now, the, these uh, microorganisms, they have to degrade these proteins into small pieces and they have special enzymes for this. And these enzymes, they are really specialized, actually, uh, the, at least the bacteria that they used for cheese, they specialized for milk proteins and not for plant proteins. Okay, and so how were you able to obtain the flavors then in uh, vegan uh, uh, substrates that you used previously? Yeah, so the vegan substrates actually... Uh, there were also uh, yeah different proteins. There are special protein isolates that uh, on which the the um, the bacteria could break down, or even or sometimes we use we uh, already broke them down separately outside because we uh, if you don't make them uh, in the product but separate, you can also give them uh, little ingredients that make them easier to uh, to use. Okay, so. I also imagine uh, in the past you might have tried some of the vegan cheeses that are in the market. And can you explain why it has taken so long for the markets to actually develop something that is flavorful enough to be considered on the same way as cheese? Because if you take it stuff that was on the market for like 10, 5, 10 years ago, it was kind of disgusting, right? Yes, yeah, I, I agree with you that uh, 
most of them are not very nice. Uh, and they're extra, uh, yeah, in particular, they lacked in the flavor. And uh, so I think it's just very hard to uh, predict exactly what gives the nice flavor. And I think so for uh, for the standard cheese and for milk, that's known. They we know which, yeah, what flavors are important there to to make something nice because there's an interaction with uh, the matrix. And if you start changing the matrix to, uh, for example, plant uh, protein then you also might need other compounds and it might be even uh, also some off flavors actually in these proteins that you don't want that you also have to get rid of and that's a whole new field of uh, study mm -hmm. which of course takes time yeah uh yeah everything takes time so just also regarding that um the things that you worked on to develop these new flavors how long do you expect them to be uh How long do you expect it to be before they are available in the market and people can eat stuff that has been done by your bacteria? Uh, th that's a good question. It's always, uh, at least we did some fundamental research to also show how we can produce those. The next step is to integrate this into uh, real food products. And uh, that's not done by us. I have to say, of course, we are relying here on companies or people that are taking this step towards the towards consumers and uh i think they the the fundamental research there to do this actually we know how to make the, the right flavors that really taste like cheese i really have to say i tried myself it was it Were was like no or, cheese. or did you just sneak a piece in yeah we kind of sneaked you're not uh, officially not allowed but uh it was worth the, the try <laughs> so now you're saying that like you say that the base of the product of the whole process is actually there right hmm? you said that the base of the process is there to produce yeah. these things yes what was the hardest part of actually reaching the point of getting the flavors from cheese just from a vegan product yeah so so one very difficult aspect that we had to think about is that uh, if you think about producing cheese flavors microorganisms it matters a lot how you grow them um, normally most people would grow them bacteria they double maybe every hour, so they do this really quickly. But actually we saw that we have to grow them super slow and thereby resemble also the, the ripening process of a cheese. And then they start actually producing these flavors. So that really is uh, yeah, a big step in technology-wise to, to get them to grow so slowly. That was the hardest stuff, I would say. Okay. And do you think that's going to have then an impact also on the future price, since you mentioned that they take a lot of time to grow? Do you expect price parity with actual cheese to be achievable nah, anytime soon? Nah, they are growing slow. It doesn't mean always it has to take long. So actually, uh, from an economic perspective, it's nice because oh. uh, they are using your substrates not to grow. They just use it to produce flavor. So actually Also, they don't waste anything. No, they don't waste. So actually, it's a good thing. Oh, so you also expect them to have a decent price point uh, then in the near future? Um, yes, it's not that it makes it more expensive. So, uh. Okay, that's uh, incredible. I would love to try it because I am still a bit disappointed by some of the cheeses, especially when they try to um, imitate stuff that is aged for quite a while, like Hauda or Parmigiano from Italy or whatever. So, well, I'm Italian, so I'm very biased and I will always use those as references. Mm -hmm. But uh, speaking of uh, the technology itself, do you think um, the application of this technology can have any implication for something that is not strictly related to dairy and cheese, but just flavor formation in general for other products? Yeah, so so initially I would say this project was actually uh, 
started to make uh, a faster cheese, making, you can also say making cheese more sustainable by not le- having it to ripe for months or years. Uh, so that was the initial uh, plan of the project. And yeah, that worked out by basically splitting the, the cheese production into making a cheese and making flavor and then combining it. But of course, these uh, flavors are easily also integrated into all types of other food ma- matrices. So yes, also... Uh, also, it actually started not as something uh, strictly vegan, but it's just uh, vegan by by accident. Yeah, yeah, I think you can you can say it like that, and therefore maybe it can also be further optimized to really, of course, suit in the vegan uh, market. Okay, so is there any um, industry that you see this technology being applied for other than cheese, like something very specific that you have in mind already? Other industry, um, I think any. Uh, many industries uh, we we really look for flavor for strong flavors like in cheese you have strong flavors but uh, um, let's think of another um, I think there are more food products that are really relying on flavors you can even think about just a, a flavor a condiment to cook even without the rest of the matrix it's also that we something that we thought about uh, thought about yeah for so. example I would have in mind something like smoky flavor from meat or sausages or this kind of things. Would it also be possible to um, apply your technology on these uh, flavors? Um, I think smoky flavors, those types come from different types of uh, uh, processes than uh, what Fair. I described. So uh, I think that will, will be hard, but you, you can think of a much more exotic uh, okay. flavors. Yes. I wanted to ask if you would self use yourself the food <laughs> that was um, made with your uh, process, but you said you already did. So mm-hmm. that question is already gone. Uh, now use um, so the process is there, but I imagine before it can actually go into the market, it would have to be scaled from a pilot or lab scale to something bigger. Um, do you reckon there would be any big problems in going uh, with like I don't know hundred thousand liter fermenters instead of whatever bioreactor you have been using for now? Yeah. So if you think about the scalability of, in in principle, fermentation processes like. What I did was are very scalable. It's uh, yeah, it's actually yeah, it's very relatively easy to go from small to large scale. You don't need, to, of course, have a lot of land things. Of course, you need money to build a factory, but uh, that's relatively easy. The only question is how do these microbes behave under these conditions? Will that be the same? Of course, there is always you need to do some extra studies to really see if they behave similar with all the slightly different uh, stresses that they might encounter. But uh, in principle, it's doable. Yes. Okay, great great to hear. And um, you were also mentioning that, of course, there is need of money for these things because, yeah, science just takes an ungodly amount of money uh, all the time. Um, when you work on products that form um, flavors from vegan sources, do you get the funding from consortiums of companies or how does it work? So I think it's also nice for our listeners to know a bit how we get to the point in which we can develop a uh, nicer vegan food that still tastes as nice. Yeah, so in this specific project, actually, so it, it was funded actually by the, the dairy, so not by a vegan company. So that, of course, since the, the initial uh, plan was uh, to focus on cheese. Uh, however, there are nowadays a lot of funding opportunities uh, in research for, uh, yeah, alternative proteins, really uh, a field that will help us in the future to become more sustainable, to, yeah, to help our planet surviving. 
uh, yes, and therefore there actually there's quite some investments in uh, this type of research. So, uh, and sometimes, of course, in combination with uh, companies or things, because they help you to to bring it to the market, which of course is the it's also needed if you really want to make a change. Yeah. Uh, and uh, talking about then the sustainability uh, of the whole let's say, of the entire dairy industry. So the problem with dairy right now is that it's just very uh, polluting in terms of carbon emissions uh, from the cows or for the processes or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Um, could you make your process even more sustainable by substituting the substrate you're using now for something, let's say, a side stream of another industry or using your uh, side streams for other things? Like, is there going to be some uh, circularity in also the um, material that you use? Um, I, f- I think if you look at the, 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 the main substrates that are used in these type of fermentation that the bacteria use, yeah, they can be, uh, of course, we, we, um, they can be from more sustainable sources, like, uh, of course, from perspective of protein, sugar or fat that can be all uh, plant-based, for example, which uh, already makes sustainable. And, of course, you have to look at the whole process if you can also reuse uh, streams. That, that's something that... Uh, until now we didn't do, but uh, that's uh, definitely something to look into as well if you want to make a sustainable process. Yeah, I'm sure there is going to be something else uh, regarding that. And uh, for the follow-ups of your experiments, what do you think are now going to be exciting parts of wha- what can be developed with the technology that started now with this uh, flavor formation? Um, yeah, so I, I think you can make uh, it... Um, it's nice to see where such uh, flavors and everything where you can introduce and what type of products they fit fit best. So one example, that, yeah, what we also saw in these flavors that we made, they actually, uh, they reminded us not of a normal cheese, but actually sometimes of these mold cheeses, these very strong flavor bumps. Um, so you can also think of, therefore, maybe you don't shouldn't go for the very melt cheese flavors, but also more for the uh, for those type of things, but really. Uh, yeah, you can design a process or give the that it, that it might also vary and therefore be suitable for different uh, products that you can think of. But okay, um, I think we're about to follow to finish up, but I would like first to uh, ask you a question, a very important one, before we can finish this episode. What cheese would you like to imitate? Uh, so your favorite cheese? Oh, my favorite cheese is. Uh, Ooh, that's a, um, I, I always like these, uh, I think they are bacteria, red, these red uh, bacteria ripened cheeses, which are also bacteria on the outside. They oh, they want to tell them like, they like a rind with wax on the outside? Yes, but then oh. from bacteria, I always like those. So you have the mold, but bacteria are slightly more mild, but they, I really like those too. Are those very sharp? No, and a bit less, that's why I like them. They are okay. a bit more in between, Okay, so, but has a lot of flavor. Okay, I think we can wrap up the episode for now. Thank you, Oscar, for being here with us. Yeah, thank you for having me here. I yeah. hope you all, you learned a lot and you will uh, all soon uh, try a vegan cheese on the market. I can't wait to try them, yeah. And I'm sure also all of our listeners uh, want to try them. So um, that's it for this episode. Thank you for listening to us and see you, to the, uh, see you in the next episode of the Wachlingen Alt Protein Podcast.